Praise God. Uh, good morning, church. And I would like to welcome anyone who might be actually uh, worshipping with us for the very first time. This is the Transformers Church. Uh, our assignment is to help people discover and become who God has called them to be in Christ Jesus. We are also on this journey of discovering our real identity in Christ Jesus. Someone may be asking, um, what about the place of purpose? The answer is to that question is this. If you really know who God has called you to be, and you you get yourself on that on that path of discovering and becoming who God has called you to be, you will be fulfilling your purpose along the way. Because the more you realize who you are called to be, the more you the quicker or easier you will find it to step into what God is calling you to do. Amen. Right. So uh, we say that to fulfill God's purpose, right, successfully, you need to know who He has called you to be. To fulfill God's purpose successfully, and when I talk about success, I'm not talking about success from the perspective of the words, a definition of success, but to be able to do what God has called you to do the way he wants you to do it, which is success, according to my definition and my perspective and what I've seen in the Bible, right? you need to know who he has called you to be. Amen. And I thank God for the privilege he has given to myself and my wife uh, to help people in this journey as is taking us on this journey as well. So we have not arrived, we have not landed, uh, but we, we also, we are on the journey. So welcome if you are worshiping with us for the very first time. Right, so today I'll be talking about fear of change. In the last, um, I think it's about eight weeks now, we've been talking about freedom from fear. Uh, I think we still have uh, about two types of fear to cover. So today I'm looking at fear of change. Next week I might be looking at um, uh, fear of sin. Yeah, that's what, that's going to be an exciting one. Then we, we wrap it up with the fear of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I hope um, the, the the last four weeks have been a blessing to you guys. Um, if you've been being with us for the past four weeks, where I was talking about freedom from the fear of people. I mean, I, I, I saw more areas in my life where the, my actions were being driven by fear of people. When I say fear of people, I'm talking about, I, would, I'm, I'm the, I define fear of people as on a healthy desire for acceptance and approval and validation from people. You know, when you have this unhealthy desire, is it bad to, to feel, to, uh, to want to be validated? Uh, no, as long as your source of validation is God. Right, and the Bible tells us that God is always validating you. God is always singing over you. God is always encouraging you. Right, so um, if you feel you need to be validated, if you are looking for affirmation, then you should turn to your Bible to find where God has God is praising you. God is saying nice things about you. Or if you want to secure validation, affirmation, and acceptance from human beings who are flawed to a very much extent. I mean, we are all flawed. Sin made us. Sin has flawed the way we think and the way we act. And we are all on the journey of becoming who God has called us to be, who he has made us to be in our spirit. New people, uh, Christ-like, we are all on this journey and we are getting better by the day. Amen. As we continue in that journey. So if you are looking for affirmation from human beings, you will struggle because sometimes a person, a broken person is just either thinking about how to get over the problems in their life. And you are expecting this particular person. Thank you, Holy Spirit, to affirm you. All right, we're getting to the service now. <laughs> word of knowledge is coming. Now, so I have a word for someone, for, uh, for a wife here. Now you're you're seeking, and also this uh, this is gonna bless single person, a single lady. So, but this person you are you you struggling your marriage because you are, you want your husband to make you happy, and you're wondering why can't he meet your needs? Now the uh, the truth is this: your spouse is not is not meant to make you happy. Ah. Uh, your spouse is not meant to make you happy. So single ladies, if you are thinking you, you, the reason why you are sad in your life is because you are not married, you are mistaken. Because marriage is not to make you happy. In marriage, we bring value to the table. We bring blessings to the table. We don't go and get. In marriage, we are not parasites. We are not going to marriage like parasites. We'll go and feed on other people, drain other people to make ourselves feel good or to make ourselves feel happy. So the reason why you've been struggling in your marriage, right, is because you are what you are what you ought to be seeking from the Lord, what you ought to get from the Lord, you are demanding of a man who has challenges himself. So um, 
I know the Lord is speaking to you. He's going to finish up with you in this area. Uh, but if I want to give you pastoral advice, I would say, don't look up to your husband to make you happy. Amen. Don't look up to your husband to make you happy. And stop taking out your frustrations on your husband. You go and settle it with the Lord to, you know, to, to, to know what God says about you and embrace what God says about you. The Christian faith is a, the Christian faith. Can you, can you hear that word? Christian faith. The Christian faith is a, is a journey of faith. It's a life of faith. So we don't see before we believe. We believe and we see. Or we believe whether we see or not. So whether you can see God, which no one none of us have seen God, uh, will ever see God except Jesus Christ who has seen the Lord, right? You have to choose to believe that God's, those nice things you see in the word of God about you, they are true, they are real. Amen. Whether you feel like it or not, but just have to believe that what God says about you in his word is true and real. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's carry on. So talking about change, what is change? Now, in this particular, in this, in today's sermon, I'm going to be looking message, not a sermon. Okay. <laughs> Today, I'll be looking at change from the noun perspective. Now, you know, noun is, um, is animal place of thing, like, like I was taught when I was in primary school in Nigeria. So in the UK or in the US, it might be different. So permit me if I sound local and I don't sound posh like you guys, right? As you can see, I'm a Nigerian. <clears throat> Amen. So we define now back in the days in primary school in Nigeria that the noun is um, represents an animal, a place, or a thing. So when I'm talking about change here, I'm not talking about um, a verb, something you do. I'm talking about a noun. I'm talking about here. And when I talk about a noun, I'm talking about a process. So I define change as an act or process through which something becomes different. So we're looking at change as an entity here. We're not looking at change as something that you do. Uh, though I'm going to use change as a verb interchangeably because we're looking at change, first of all, for, as an entity, and then we'll be looking at change from a verb perspective as to what you do, the action you take. Amen. So change as a noun, change as a verb. English class, praise God. Let's carry on. Yeah. So change is an act or process through which something becomes different. Right. So a process that something goes through to become different. So let's start this journey here. Now, at new birth, at new birth, we were changed in our spirit. Previously, before we give our life to Christ, we had a sinful nature. We had a nature that looked like that of the devil. We were sinners. And when we give our life to Christ, we were changed. We were transformed in our spirit. And many of you are familiar with the, with the, word, with the truth that you know, a, a human being is not just their body. A human being is a spirit and they have a soul and they live in the body. So because the new birth affected our spirit, our body is not changed. Our mind is not changed either. And that's why the Bible gave you and I the responsibility to change the way we think. So if anyone is thinking, why have I not changed since I gave my life to Christ? Uh, I'm going to cover a few, a few uh, reasons in this service why you have not changed because Change in that respect will require effort from you, but change for salvation or change at new birth requires no effort from you. The Bible tells us that, that, that we all have access by one spirit into the family of God. So the Holy Spirit was the one who brought about your change when you received the gospel. So change in that respect requires no effort from you. And that is why it is a sin. I repeat, it is a sin for you to want to do things to become to be acceptable to God because we are simply saying that what Jesus has done to effect change to in, in your life, to make you a member of the family of God, for you to receive a new identity, you're trying to say well, that what Jesus has done is not enough. So you need to add your own actions. You need to add, you need to do something. And I will say to you, if you, when you give your life to Christ and you become a new person, a child of God, engrafted into the family of God, adopted into the family of God, if there was no required effort on your part to become a member of the family of God, there will be no effort required on your part to maintain your status as a child of God. I repeat, if no effort was required on your part to become a child of God, 
right? No effort required on your part to keep your to keep or maintain your position as a child of God. So don't think that now that you are you are you are now born again, you are a child of God. There are some things you need to do for God to be happy with you or for you to remain a child of God. So don't think that if you do something, you don't do something correctly according to your own standards, that that will blot you or remove your heart of the family of God. Those teachings are not correct. Because it's not by human effort that you became a child of God. So it will never be by human effort that you will be taken out of the family of God. And the Bible tells us that what God has done for you, the the redemption that Jesus has given to you is eternal. Amen. So change at new birth requires no effort from your side uh, for spiritual rebirth. And then what about other changes? What about Order changes. So, um, looking at change, I've identified three areas of change. The spiritual, the natural, the mental. The spiritual, the natural, the mental. Um, It might not take all the boxes of your semantics, uh, but uh, this is how I'm trying to explain it so that people can get it. My my goal is to help people to understand, not for people to feel like they've been to a class. Amen. So spiritual, we talked about new birth, but there's also a spiritual part of it that talks about that, that has to do with your spiritual work, you being a believer, right? You being a believer. And there's also the natural, which has to do with your relationship with people. Right, and there's also a mental one, and I intentionally put the mental one to list and emphasis that on the fact that we need to change the way we think. Right, so we may have spiritual understanding or increasing spiritual revelation, right, and um, we may be able to. But let me put it this way: for us to be able to succeed in our relationship with people in the natural, right, we need to change the way we think. We need to change the way we think. So. Hold on to that because when I get into the fear of change, you see how this plays in. So now let's look at some benefits of change, why we should change. Now, uh, one, change is constant in this world. Things are always changing. So if you want to continue to do things the way you are doing them and expect a different result, you are fooling yourself. So things are always changing. But when I talk about change, I'm looking at change from the positive perspective, not negative change. Now, to change negatively, I mean, to degrade, to lose our senses is not difficult. To destroy is not difficult. Now, it might take, it might take a thousand years, oh, let me know, that's, maybe that's too much. It might take, say, five years to erect a building. But it only takes a missile or a bomb to be to bring that up building. So change requires effort and it takes time. Change requires effort and it takes time. So positive change, let me be more specific. And positive change requires effort and it takes time. It takes time to build. So if you want to see improvements in your life, you got to change and you have to build. You have to spend some time. Amen. So change is constant in this world. So we cannot expect to keep doing things the way we're doing things. Now, my message, I was, I was being cautious when I was preparing this. I was like, Lord, help me that I don't sound like a motivational speaker or I'm in a motivational class. Um, help me to help the people understand that there's some principles about life that they also need to understand. Amen. And I think pastors should be addressing these things uh, as opposed to people going to motivational speakers to, under- to get these things who don't connect things to Christ and to the purpose of people. Amen. So there's some things that you may go and get outside and they, that which they will distort and make you to begin to see yourself as as your, your almighty, your, your own almighty, your own source, your own supplier, you know, catch the vision. You can do it in yourself. I will help you to see that from the word of God that they took some of those inspiration from the Bible and they tried to beat it around human beings. Human, human effort. No. The Bible tells us our sufficiency is in Christ. We can do nothing. We are for ourselves nothing. We are who we are by, by the grace of God. Amen. So don't think I'm speaking with motivation this morning, but try to get the gist. So change is constant. Amen. Change is constant. And that's why I try to highlight a few, uh, three areas of change to you and I. The natural. We can focus on change in the spiritual, 
But if we don't understand or recognize the fact that also change is natural, there's a need for change, the things are changing in our natural life, in our everyday life, and we need to adapt, we realize that we'll become mediocre Christians, though we are spiritually sound, right? But we are kind of like failures in the eyes of the world. And I'm not trying to say that we should be successful in the eyes of the world. But if the world is if the world is using technology to run things, why do you want you, as because you're a believer, you want to keep using paper? Right? And many other things I wish I could go into details, but that would take a lot of my time. So I pray that God will give us understanding to open our eyes to see the changes going on in our world and we can adopt adapt to those changes. Amen. So another thing I want to I want to call out here is that um let me see. To become who God wants us to be, we must change. Look at our word. To become who God wants us to be or to become who God has created us to be, we must change. Because at new birth, we received a new identity. And that affected our spirit. And the Bible, wants us, the Bible says that we should leave out our salvation. We should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible is telling us that the new life that we have received in our spirit, that we should leave it out. We should express it. We should give it substance. Jesus said we are the light of the world. Right, and that uh, the, Jesus said we should let our light so shine before men that we might be, that they may see our good deeds. So there's, if, if if you think about if you look at how you think on a daily basis, you you, you may not see anything light. Then what you may be seeing is darkness, like because you are because of the challenges of the brokenness or the abuse you've experienced in your life. But Jesus is saying that's not your identity. Jesus is saying the identity inside of you is that you are the source of the solution of this world. You carry the solution to many problems in this world. So what you see and what Jesus sees is very different than most of the time. Jesus sees a sound person, whole person, unbroken person, perfect person. But what you see and what you feel is a broken person, is your experience, is oppression, depression, anxiety, and all manner. So for you to become that person that Jesus sees, which he has made inside of you, you need to change. So to become who God has created you to be or the person he wants you to be on earth, you need to change. And you and I know that becoming that person will give you so much peace and so much joy. Imagine you are able to successfully get rid of the thought of oppression, depression, low self-esteem in your mind. Imagine you are able to forget the mistakes and the errors and the problems and the havoc that you have done in the past. Imagine you are able to overcome the shame. The devil is a liar. <laughs> my notes, my, my screen just flipped there. Imagine you're able to overcome the overwhelming sense of shame in your life. Now, even as I'm finding examples and I'm playing them to you, many of you are feeling relieved. Imagine you can you can just forget all the mishaps and the abuse and the rape and all kind of things that you've been through. Your, like, some people have been through in their life. Imagine not... Imagine all of those evil negative memories. Imagine you're able to get rid of them. Imagine how beautiful and how peaceful you will live. But the negative experiences and the oppressions you have been through is not your reality. Though they happen to you, but there's someone on the inside of you that the enemy tried to crush now that you're in Christ Jesus and that God wants you to bring that person out and it's going to take effort on your part and that's why the Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that you should not be conformed to this world any longer you should not think you should not pattern your lifestyle after the people of this world after your old way of life the Bible says you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind so if you want to actually experience the transformation that's happened in your spirit in your physical life in your natural life you have to want to renew your mind change the way you think so can you see that it that will require effort on your side so if you don't want to change if you want to continue to live in the in the past in your memories those unpleasant memories you cannot become who god has called you to be and you can be a blessing so change is important in the life of each and every one of us if we want to fulfill god's plan and purpose of our life we've got to change amen another thing another reason why we need to change is that um god is working on earth and God cannot come down as human. God cannot come back, come down into the earth to make things happen. He has given this earth, the stewardship of the earth. He has given to human beings, and for God to make His purpose, His will, His plan, His objective, 
his loving plan and everything to make it known to human beings in his mission of reconciliation, of restoring people into relationship with him, he has to do it through people. He's going to do it through you and I. So if you and I don't want to change the way we are living our lives, if you don't want to go through any kind of adjustment, if you don't want to be different, if you don't want to make any move, what do you know what we're doing? We are hindering God from doing, from being able to reach lost people into this world, bring joy and bring health into the life of people. So our resistance to change, our unwillingness to change does not only affect our natural life, or our spiritual life, it also affects God and it affects many lives. So change is not negotiable in the life of a believer. Any believer who wants to fulfill a purpose, any believer that wants to become what God has called him to be, that wants to really live in peace, any believer that actually wants to walk with God to see things happen, I mean, to see things that God wants to see happen, happen. Any believer that wants that must be willing to change. Don't forget, we define change as what? As a process through which something becomes different. We have to stop doing things the way we are doing, we're doing things now and move on or progress into. So instead of stopping, sometimes you need to stop. Some you don't need to stop. You just need to progress or do things better into the way we should be doing things as God is working in our lives, if that sounds complicated, let me know. I'm just going to repeat it, right? So for us to see the will of the Father done on earth, we can't keep doing things the way we're doing now. Okay? If, if you have to, if you should keep doing things the way you're doing now, as how many, how many manifestations or results or advancement of the kingdom have you and I seen with the way we are doing things? Imagine if I was doing things the way I was doing things, talking the way I was talking, doing things the way I was talking back in the days. Do you know that I won't be here being a blessing to you guys? And I can tell you in the last one year, I've really, really matured and grown since I, since I went live to do this that God has called me to do. So imagine I did not respond. I didn't step in. Do you think you guys will be blessed with what God is blessing you guys with? Guys, the deliverance we've seen in our church in the last four weeks is amazing is mind-blowing. And when I say deliverance, I'm not talking about deliverance from demons, but deliverance from negative and oppressive thoughts and fear of people, you know, bonded to religious fear and all stuff. So imagine I didn't step in and I didn't change the way I do things, you know, change the time I wake up on Sunday morning, you know, things I think about on a daily basis, I'm going to be here. So change is not negotiable for the life of every believer that wants to fulfill God's purpose and plan for their lives. Amen. Now, to fulfill God's purpose and plan for our life, we can be babes. Even uh, Paul said to Timothy that anyone who desires to be a pastor, a bishop, anyone who wants to take responsibility, right? God wants each and every one of us to take responsibility. <laughs> Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, 6, he said that person should not be a recent convert. So the Bible is differentiating a convert from a disciple, a convert, which we can say a spiritual babe, to uh, which we can say a spiritual babe, is differentiating such a person from a disciple, a disciplined follower of Christ. So if you and I want to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our life, we want to see the kingdom of God advance on earth in our world, in our society, in our economy, in our in our communities. I mean, we've got to grow. We have to leave the point of becoming or being a convert. Now I'm born again. I'm saved. We're going to church. God bless me. No, we have to step up to become mature people. We have to take responsibility. So, okay, let me make you feel bad a little bit. Not intentionally, but you understand. So the level to which the kingdom of God has advanced in our communities and our society today is, is due to our willingness to change and respond to what God is doing. Many people will cry and oh, God use me. No, you, you don't pray that you don't pray that God should use you. God wants to use you by you know by default is looking for people. You are you should pray that God should make you usable. God should help you to be usable because for God to use you or send your assignment is nothing. You know you hear you hear this um, thing. Which shall we send? Which shall go for us? And people cry. God send me. That's in the Old Testament. In this dispensation, he has put a spirit on the inside of you. Jesus has given you and every one of our, every one of us that commandment to go into the world and make disciples of men. Mark chapter 16. So you don't need to pray that God should use you. So for God not to, if it seems like God is not using you, the problem has nothing to do with God. It has to do with your own preparedness. 
our preparedness, our preparation, not preparation, no, preparedness, how prepared we are to, re- to do what God is calling us to do. So the problem is not with God. It's about you discovering because until you begin to discover and become what God has called you to be, you will not be fit to fulfill that assignment. It's not a cause, it's the truth. Because you have to transition from becoming a convert. You just, I love the Lord. I bless the Lord. God is good. God is, you know, God is my father. He looks after me. He's so, he's so kind. You know, we go out there. We just pray for people. They were healed. No, you have to take responsibilities. And that responsibility has a lot to do with teaching people, helping people to grow in their knowledge of Christ and being able to practically live out a Christian life. Amen. So God wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. He wants us to fulfill destiny. He wants us to take responsibility. And all of this requires effort on our side. And that effort requires change. That, that effort we are applying to our life to become these things, to do these things, will require change. To live out a Christian life, to be an example to the unsaved world, requires effort on your side because the Bible tells us that we should no longer continue to live like the Gentiles live. We should change the way we live. So for a Christian to say, you know, I'm born again. Yes, that is it. No, no. And I can do whatever I like. The Bible tells us that though we are free in Christ, we should not use our freedom as an occasion to sin. Though you are free in Christ, but you're not free to do whatever you like. There should be no such thing as my Christian life and my personal lives. Many Christians have different, they are differentiated their Christian life from their personal life. Christian life is when they have the devotion in the morning and when they go to church on Sunday or when they go and minister the gospel. And but in their in their individual, like their personal life is full of all manner of sin. Can I be real with us? A lot of lack of common sense. Right? You know when I use lack of common sense, you can check the dictionary, you find a word because that word trigger people, so <laughs> I'm replacing it. Amen. <laughs> A lack of a lack of common sense and dumb stuff. See, it does not make sense because even the Bible tells us that you know words of praise, sweet words should not be coming out of our tongues, and evil words should be coming out of our tongues. So your life should not be producing evil and good at the same time. No, it can't work. So you may wonder. So why is how could that happen in, in people's life? Is is because in the morning on Wednesday on Sunday they yield to their spirit. On Wednesday, sorry, but every other time when they go around clubbing, raving, and doing all kind of stuff, and sleeping with stuff, and doing all kind of stuff, I know kids are in this church, uh, the parents will explain this to them, you know, all kind of stuff. They see things on Netflix, you know, so I, I speak, I've spoken to one of some of your kids, I know what I hear. I get to me. All those kind of stuff. So some Christians, they have a time to give themselves to all the debts and all the ungodly things in this world, and they'll come here, oh Lord, I'm blessed. It doesn't work that way, friends. A believer is a believer forever. A believer is a believer, a Christian, a child of God, and should walk in holiness in the house, outside the house, in the office, everywhere. So let's eradicate that way of thinking that I'm a, I'm a Christian, my Christian life. <clears throat> You're a Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian life. You are a Christian. It's your identity. Right? So, and that's why some pastors struggle when they're trying to correct some people. They're like, Pastor, you don't have the right to speak to talk about my personal life. It's my private life. Mate, listen to me. You don't have a private life. The moment you give your life to Christ, your private life is gone. The private life you have is the life of Christ. Did that sound mean? Whatever. Okay. The moment you give your life to Christ, forget, forget about that so-called private life. It's the whole way of living and Jesus said, get rid of it. Amen. So if you wonder the reason, if you wonder why we've not been able to advance the kingdom of God to a very much extent, it's because many of us don't want to change. We want to continue to live the life of of ungodliness we are living because we enjoy it and we don't want to give ourselves to what God is calling us to do completely. So if you want to actually become and be usable, you have to integrate your private life and your Christian life and ensure that it looks like the life that Jesus wants you to live. Amen. So if change is vital and important and you know, something that must happen in the life of all believers. So why are we afraid to change? One, fear of people. Fear of people. Now, I said fear of people is connected to the fear of change. We care about what people may see about us. So we hold back from growing up spiritually and feeling our destiny. That's not right. That is not right. Now, I don't want to go over what the things I've shared. 
But if you're changing the way you think, the way you walk, the way you do things, is that vital to your own life and fulfilling purpose and destiny? Is that vital to God who saved you? So why are you thinking about people? Right? Why are you thinking about people? So that it does, it's not like I didn't open the scripture today. Let's go to Psalm 56 verse um, 4. Well, I have, co- I have quoted Romans chapter 12 verse 2 for you guys and I'll be reading from that a lot. So Psalm 56 verse 4. Look at what the psalmist says here. He said, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Now he's talking about, when he says mortals, he's talking about people. I'm reading it in a New Living Translation. So I'm trying to expose something here. If you are afraid of people, if you're, sorry, if you're afraid to change because of fear of people, it means you don't put your trust in God. Who should be our, who is our source? Who do you pray to? Who do you ask for stuff? God. So why have we, you and I, put people on a pedestal higher than God? We don't want to give ourselves to what God is calling us to do because we are thinking of what people may see about us. I get them, or what they may think about us. And that reason why many of us don't change is because of, uh, don't want to change because of the fear of being alone. I'm going through this at the moment. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a pleasant place to be, to be honest with you, but it's a more safe place to be. So the, the choice is mine. I would prefer to be safe and to be advancing in what God has called me to do than to have a lot of friends uh, and we are all just thinking the same and we are not making any progress in our life spiritually. And when I say progress, I'm not talking about the houses you build or the cars you have. Life is more, there's much more to life than the houses you build, the jobs you have, the business you have, the millions you have. The value of life and the essence of life is in fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. So many people may have all the nice things in the world, but they are, they are utter failure from the perspective of the fact that they are not doing what they were designed and created to do. If an organism, a product, a machinery, anything is not doing what is wired to do, it is failing, regardless of what everybody else thinks of it. So, the, so for us as believers, God should be the assessor of our lives. It should be the assessment officer of our, for, of our lives, not human beings. Amen. So the assessment officer of our lives, you know, who is the creator of our life, created us and wired us for his own purpose. Not to be binging on Netflix. Amen. Praise God. Uh, so many of us don't want to be alone. So you're thinking, if I change, change the way I think, change the way I believe, all my friends will leave me. Who cares? It's, that should be a, a safety net for you and should be a pleasurable thing to you that you know what? Something is happening in your life and people can see. You don't talk like the, you don't talk the way they talk anymore. You don't do things the way they do things anymore. You don't think the way they think, think anymore and they leave you. But you know what? God will always, as you continue on that journey, God will always supply you with people who think like you. But bear this in mind, they are very scarce. They are very, very, very scarce. So get ready. You're going to be alone to a very much extent. You will not be lonely. You should not be lonely. And that's why I've always said, you are better, you are better off having few quality friends than having a million friends who are not sincere, who will plot your who will backbite, gossip about you, kill you, do all kind of stuff. Friends, I think we have been deceived so much. And then people make us to, like, I'm an African, you know, the, the more people you have in your life, to a very much extent, um, is, what, is how people define the value you carry. Friends, I've been to people's houses. I've been to people's, I've been with people. And what I see, what they do with their friends, I don't want it. I've seen how people full of negative mindset pass the nonsense in their brain to their kids and how their kids have influenced other people's kids negatively. I've been places where all the kids, the teenagers were practicing behind closed doors was evil because the man of the house or the woman of the house wants to identify with a rich person and they can have it on their profile that, you know what, this person is my friend. I don't need to have any rich person or a celebrity as my friend. No, I don't need it. Our stay in this world is temporary. We are going to be with Jesus forever. 
I mean, all of this show is just same, same maximum, 100 years. If that's if I want to lead to 100 years. Amen. Because when I'm, when I'm passing on to be with the Lord, I want to be still be active. You know, I want to go to bed. I say, Father, time has come. And I go off. I leave my body. The, I, leave, I leave. My body remains there. I say, wife, we see, see you later. And if she wants to go with me, to say, I take off. And the children are like, ah, okay. We say, yeah, you guys cannot come now. Um, we give you another like 50, 60 years and you can come upstairs. Or come upstairs. We're gone. What a nice way to die. Praise the Lord. I'll talk about fear of death. Amen. So get ready to what? To be alone. Praise the Lord. Now, fear of rejection. This is bad. Some people do. People, some people are afraid to change because they don't want people to reject them. Get ready. The world is continually increasing in its level of insanity. A madness is becoming the order of the day. You know when I say madness? People are not thinking straight. People, people's heads are not correct. Madness, according to the Bible, is becoming the increasing order of the day. I'm not insulting anyone. I'm telling you the truth. Don't take it personal. I, repeat, I will repeat it so you don't think I'm angry. Madness is becoming, is, is, is increasingly becoming the order of the day. Just go on Instagram and go to the explore page. It, it, if you have not trained your algorithm the way I've trained mine, right? And you see things there. You now tell me, how can a person in their right mind and sense be thinking about this? I was watching um, a documentary about um, the guys who, who, who work on Facebook, who I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember what they, call, what, they, what they call them. And these guys were talking about the enormous amount of evil that people are doing. I don't want to give any example because I don't want to sow that seed in your mind. And because we have kids in service. If there's a, there's a, if there's a more horrible way to describe what's going on in the world today than madness, I will look for it. People are crazy. And what, what I'm saying, I'm speaking from what I have seen, what I have heard, had. You know, you see some things on TV or you hear a report or your news and for three days you are trying to recover. Like, how can somebody be so evil? And if the sad thing is that because the gospel is not well, is not properly taught, because many Christians are not being pastored carefully, and because we are, we are seeing the signs of more of the end times when people want to hear what they want to hear, right? Christians are adopting this. The kind of evil going on among Christians is shocking. So if you don't want to change because you don't want your Christian circle of friends to reject you, you will be depriving yourself and the kingdom of God and even these Christians of the many things that I've called out so far. So be ready. Christians will reject you. Christians. If you want to actually fulfill destiny and purpose, Christians will reject you. See, I've been to Christian environments where they are preaching the gospel, their own version of the gospel. And when I come from the Bible, the Bible gospel, they're hungry. I was, I was in one house fellowship one day and they... The, the head of the home shut me down because I was trying to just explain what the Bible is. I wasn't picking up a philosophy. He attacked me in front of everybody, all the guests and every day, everyone there. He was trying to make up with me later. I was like, it's too late. Let's just forget about it. He's, he's never happy when I bring the truth to the table. And he wants me and him to go into ministry. Are we joking here? Are we joking? You don't honor the word of God and you want me and I to, you and I to go into ministry. What are you thinking? Amen. Amen. So, if you want to really live out a Christian life, Christians will reject you. So, I met with this guy the following day. We met in the, in the church I used to attend. And he said to me, you know, I, you can't impose on people your own idea or your, your, your perspective. I'm like, are, you, are, we, are we sleeping here? Because what does James 3.16 have to do with my own opinion? Because what I was reading out was the word of God and you're saying that's my own opinion. Someone said, you're getting passionate. Yes! Are we thinking? Somebody, somebody said, if I, if I design a shirt tied to it with, the, with the text, are you thinking they're going to buy? Are we thinking? Many people are not Christians. Many people, it's only a fault. Many people are not trained in the, in the words of righteousness. Many people don't know God. Though they carry the tag Christians, they are not believers. They are not followers of Christ. They are, many of them are converts. They are not disciples. They know not about the gospel. So if you want to hear the truth, people will reject you. So is that you is that you keep company with these people who don't know God and you don't grow in your life, you don't do what God has called you to do, you fail in life, even though you are very rich. 
because you don't want people to reject you. It's either you do that or you be get ready, know what is right, do what is right. Ex- do you know what's going on in the marriage of these people and the life of these people? Is that what you want for yourself? As I'm speaking, I'm trusting God that He's booting out of the heart of people unnecessary fear and freedom from all of these lies. So it's good that I'm very serious about this matter this morning. People gotta reject you. Welcome to the club. Ask my wife. I don't have friends. But maybe I have like two or three or four. You think because of the abundance of revelation and insight I have, people want to be my friend? It's a lie. Most of the time, when people are in need, spiritual problems when they show up. Once the spiritual problem is solved, they are gone. Amen. And now I'm wiser. I will not give my time and attention to just anybody. Yeah. If you are not ready to sit down and learn and stay on that path and journey of becoming who God has called you to be, so they can do what God has called you to do, we can be friends. Hallelujah. Amen. So, someone may be thinking like this. If I change, my friends may reject me. I said here, I said, this thinking shows that we have not fully understood the uniqueness of our purpose. Neither do we value it. Kids, listen to this. You are unique. There's a special thing on the inside of you. You have a special and unique purpose. So anyone who is going to leave you because you are doing what is right is not your friend and they should not be your friend for any reason. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20, that he that works with the wise shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. So why do you want to be hanging around fools? Let fools leave you. I did not write the Bible. The, the Bible before you say I started calling people fools. I didn't write the Bible. Go and read the Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20. The Bible. If I preach and teach the way the Bible, a lot of people will be offended. Because I don't do political correctness. I do biblical correctness. But if the Bible says this thing is stupid, it is stupid. Call it stupid. Call it the name it is. No, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Really? Uh, you know, it's not too good. You know, it's not too helpful. It's not too, you know. For, let's forget about it. Let's, let's hear what the Bible says. And that's why some people want to try to make the Bible a, a book of hate speech. I will never make the Bible the book of hate speech because if I, can, if I know that I'm a wise person, I'm an intelligent person, and there's something I'm thinking of doing, and the Bible says that thing is stupid, and I know I'm not a stupid person, then I will not do it. If the Bible doesn't call it stupid, I might say, okay, maybe I should do it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Somebody was saying to me, why don't I call stupid lack of common sense? I said, when a pastor is trying to sexually abuse somebody else's wife, what do you call that? It's lack of common sense. Are you okay? And it was a believer. Are you thinking? Are you all right? Are you okay? Do you know how much hurt and pain that pastor has brought into that man's family? I said, we should tell them the pastor is not acting in common sense. Are we thinking? You know, you know that the things I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not speaking to unbelievers. I'm speaking to believers here. Amen. Unbelievers is their nature to sin and do a manner of stuff. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, he said the kind of sexual immorality that was in the church, he said even the unbelievers will not condone it. Do you know it does not make sense that we are worse in our conduct than unbelievers? Amen. So, a few things I've called out. Fear of people, fear of being alone, fear of rejection. Uh, let me see. So, uh, let me have a few things I've called out in my notes. I think it will be helpful. I said, it is high time we evaluate our lives on the basis of the people whose rejection we fear. I repeat, it is high time we evaluate our lives on the basis of the people whose rejection we fear. The people that you are afraid of their rejection, who are they? Are they godly people? Even godly people who really follow God will never leave or they forsake you because they know that you are doing what is right. They stay with you. If, they, if a pastor threatens to kick you out of the church because you spoke the truth, don't wait for them to kick you out. As I'm speaking right now, pack your things and leave. Go and have a special meeting with the pastor and say, you know, God bless you. I've had enough. I'm leaving. Amen. Amen. I said the people whose words and values we hold in high esteem, you know, on something I put, okay, let me clarify that. So I say, you know, the people whose rejection we fear. So also to give us more context to that is this, you know, who are, who, who, who are these people whose words and values we hold in highest esteem? Who are the people? I mean, which people are they sinners? Are they ungodly people? Are they, are they ungodly Christians? Amen. Who are the people or people who fear and honor the Lord? I repeat, people who fear and honor the Lord will stick. They will stay with you. They will support you. They will not reject you because you are doing what is right. Amen. I said, honor people for who they are in Christ and their knowledge and fear of the Lord and not for who they are in the eyes of the world. I repeat, honor people for who they are in Christ 
their knowledge and fear of the Lord. The Bible says, if anyone wants to glory in anything, let them glory in this, that they know the Lord. Do you know that people who know the Lord fear the Lord? People who fear the Lord do what God wants them to do. So let's begin to check ourselves. The people you value, the people you honor, the people you fear in a sense, do they fear the Lord? Are you trying to become a celebrity Christian? You're trying to identify with, the, with names. I don't want to identify with any name. I want to identify with Christ. When I identify with Andrew Womack, Dwayne Sherry, and a few people, it's not because of their name. It's because of what those men stand for. Amen. Andrew is super honest and he fears the Lord. And it, unanimously, everyone that I've met that knows Andrew, I've said, that guy, level of integrity is very high. Who he is, in, who is, who he is on TV is who he is behind the scenes. Those are the kind of men I want to identify with, not because they have, they have succeeded in ministry, but because of who they are and what they stand for. You know, they are big names, right? In the Christian faith. I do identify with them. Even if I sit on the same platform with them and somebody take a photograph of us and they send it to me, you will never see it on social media. Well, if these people will fear the Lord, some of them, of them are not acting right. They are not living the gospel life. Even though they are big names, I don't want to identify with them. No. I want to identify with the people who fear the Lord, who know the Lord and want to do what God has called them to do. Amen. Finally, another reason why we fear uh, change is convenience. Many of us don't want to leave, our, do, we don't want to lose our convenience. We want to do something that is good, comfortable. My question for you is, was it convenient for you to get here, where you are right now? And many of us, because the reason why we have not gone too far in life is because we don't want to lose our convenience. You are not wired to, to, fl- to follow the path of least resistance. You have been given an energy to be exacted on the inside. You have been given energy on the inside. You've been given capabilities and abilities to exact, to exact force, to put in effort, to make your life better. Your brain and my brain is given to us to use. Many of you are familiar with how God spoke to me one day when I said, well, actually, you know, in those days I used to be like, Lord, divine direction, divine direction. I will not make any decision I'm supposed to make because I'm waiting for God. And when I, <laughs> I asked God one question one day, give it to me. I asked him on that one. He said, no, Tony, that's why I give you your brain, use it. But do you know to use our brain is not easy. Thinking is not easy. I know what I've been through in the past six months to eight months. Using my brain is hard work. But I love the outcome. And I'm going to exert my brain much more, exert my energy much more, because of the art command I want to get. I want to, you know, when I go home to be with the Lord, I want to like, Father, I thank you. I did what you've called me to do. But trust me, guys, it's not going to be easy. It's going to tamper with your convenience. Let's get rid of this convenience thing. Let's begin to train our brain to take pleasure and joy in work, doing the right thing. Amen. Amen. So I said to experience and continuously walk in our new identity in Christ. I repeat, to experience and continuously walk in our new identity in Christ which produces lasting peace, we must change. We must change. Don't forget, I said change what in the spiritual. When I talk about, when I talk about spiritual change, I'm talking about knowing, increasing in your revelation understanding of who you are in Christ Jesus. Increasing revelation. Exercising your senses to differentiate between what is good and what is right. And doing what's right. You got to train yourself to become that person that God has called you to be. In the natural, we need to train ourselves to learn how to relate with people. How not to take offense. Amen. Take responsibility at work. And all kind of stuff, you know. We, we need to learn how things work in our environment. You think it's easy for me as a pastor? Read the Bible, study the word. Spend nearly the entire week thinking about how I'm going to communicate with you guys, thinking about the church, thinking about their welfare, thinking about their children, thinking about my wife, thinking about my parents, and also reading books on business, reading books on leadership and things like that. You think it's easy? No. I have my job there, which is, which is demanding in its own right. And yet I still have to bring some of these things to train some people. It's not easy. Amen. But if I don't know these things, I won't be able to look after my family. If I don't learn about how to do my job, how to excel in my job, how to build businesses, which is a long journey ahead of me. And, but I've, I've gone, I've gone, I mean, I've made, I've made some good steps. I mean, I've made some good progress. If I don't learn these things, I don't think I'll be able to raise money. I'll be able to raise money to even start this church in the first place. Because we didn't start this church for, with donations from people. We started this from our own personal income. My wife and I. 
and we spend a lot of money. I mean, we, when we, we do good life alone, I think we spend about over, over 5,000 pounds just to go live. 5,000 pounds just to go live in last year, June. Amen. So if I don't learn, if I don't learn things about economics, about finance, I won't be able to look after my family. And let's get this thing very clearly. The church is not to look after your family. God has given, and even the Bible says, Paul said, he said, let, every, let him who still still no more, but let him walk, doing what is good, profitable, something legitimate business, so that he can have to give. Amen. So we must learn to succeed in our, to, we must change in our natural lives, learn what we are supposed to learn, adjust our lifestyle, adjust our routine. Go to bed when you're supposed to go to bed. Some of us, we have to lose one or two hours of sleep so that we can learn new skills. It's important. If you want to, be, if you want to actually become that person God has called you to be and do what you, what you, what He wants you to do, which will also entail money, you have to change. Amen. If people call you workaholic, if people call you, you yours is too much. If people are, are spiting you because you are now more hardworking, let them leave you. Do you think I don't have people like that in my life? Who like telling you, it's only too much. We're only saying that. How can you reach this? How can you achieve this? It was a shock when people got. <laughs> <laughs> Let me not go into detail so I don't embarrass people this morning. I get to me. People can call people. I know people are saying no matter nonsense I be behind me. I don't give a rip. But as long as they're not paying my bill and I'm able to look after my family, glory be to God. Yeah. Right. So is either you say, you know, Tony is a hard worker, he's a crazy guy. I think I should keep him as friend. He would challenge me. I'll feel uncomfortable, but I would like I will be I'll be thinking with him at the same level, and we both together we're gonna be advancing. Is that you begin to think that way, or you get angry with me because I'm a I'm a hard worker? Right. And by God's grace, that's why I will never struggle to send my kids to school. I mean, to pay their school fee because what I am doing the work. Amen. Amen. So I can go on and on. There are so many benefits to changing. Amen. And it's, 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 on, it's, it's not, a non, it's a non-negotiable. I don't know. Lord, we're out of time, I, but there's so much in my spirit. Lord, help me. So I said, we have to practice a new way of life in Christ Jesus. To become that person God has called you to be, you need to practice. You need to do it all, nearly all the time because anything that we want to become in Christ Jesus, right? We need to train our mind to start living out our lifestyle to be able to do that thing, and it takes doing it consistently over a period of time. Then our mind gets used to it. So I said to grow spiritually, we must change our routine and leave behind us the meaningless and trivial things we used to admire. I repeat, to grow spiritually, we must change our routine, our associations. So many things have to change in our life, and you have to go identify these things. And leave behind us the meaningless and trivial things we used to admire. Paul, in closing, Paul said, when I, 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I, thook, I, I thought like a child, I understood like a child. So, but when I became mature, when I became a man, I put aside childish things. Do you know what Paul meant? What Paul meant that it meant he it took effort. It was intentional. It took deliberate effort on his part to stop childishness. So some people think maturity is something that happens automatically. Uh, no, no, no. Maturity doesn't happen by chance or by coincidence. It requires effort, and that effort will change you. Amen.